वेलकम टू द पॉडकास्ट प्रूफ इज इन द फुडिंग अ पॉडकास्ट फॉर सेल्स इंजीनियर्स बाय द सेल्स इंजीनियर इन दिस पॉडकास्ट वी ब्रिंग स्पेशल गेस्ट्स एंड डिस्कस टॉपिक्स रेलेवेंट टू द सेल्स इंजीनियर्स एंड सेल्स इंजीनियरिंग लीडर्स दिस पॉडकास्ट इज प्रोड्यूस्ड बाय सक्सेस प्लेटफॉर्म सक्सेस डॉट एप अ पर्पज बिल प्लेटफॉर्म फॉर मेकिंग प्रोडक्ट इवेल्युएशन सक्सेसफुल now without any further ado let's start this episode hi everyone this is your host vik arya and this is the podcast proof is in the pudding today we have a very special guest he has been in sales engineering leadership role for more than 15 years hello tim how are you doing hey vik i'm great glad to be here thanks for having me uh great good to have you here as well and you know i always start my podcast most of the time asking people how they got into sales engineering so how how is your journey what's your story about getting into the sales engineering yeah it was kind of by accident i was working at at&t as a uh, network administrator uh running the central office wan for uh, for those guys and was approached by somebody that had worked uh, with some people that i was working with and was starting a practice for a networking and security reseller and we're looking for some technical talent to come on board with them and so uh started you know started some conversations and uh, it was initially kind of targeted more for a post sales role uh, but as they you know talked with me a little more they they kind of and I started working there I did started out mostly post sales and doing a little bit of pre sales and then sort of morphed uh over the years into more and more pre sales along the way so uh it was kind of fun so uh had a lot of a lot of fun experiences along the way um my first my first uh I think it's a rite of passage for everybody but my first first time I did a security audit for somebody uh we were using uh Nessus and Inmap and I ended up knocking down all their servers um so that was a little bit of a black eye I think that's a rite of passage for anybody that does anything in security um but uh yeah that was that was kind of my my first uh foray into uh pre-sales and then also having to deal with the unhappy customer that uh, I had made unhappy uh, as well. So, nothing like trauma by fire, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, this is interesting. Uh recently I started this poll out of just curiosity on LinkedIn that how people got into sales engineering. And uh, almost 69 to 70% people said exactly what you said. that they started somewhere else and they eventually got pulled into sales engineering but i think now in last i would say 4 5 years the the role of sales engineering and the sales engineering organization itself is kind of getting more mainstream it's big evolving into like it's having its own structure its own processes its own leadership and it's kind of getting more and more mainstream what what do you think is the reason for that what how do you see the evolution of sales engineering organization as such Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think your observations are spot on. I mean, you see uh companies that have sales engineering academies and training programs, right? Where they're pulling people out of uh out of college and sort of training them initially. Uh, you know, when when I got into sales engineering, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was much uh it was there was not that it was there wasn't a career track that anybody talked to you about you sort of landed into it accidentally by being a good networking guy or a good security guy or good at some particular piece of technology and then you ended up going to work for a reseller or a vendor uh and that's and you sort of learned as you went along the way there wasn't really formal training or anything like that um to to you know sort of teach you those skills so it's been kind of interesting to see um you know how that how that's evolved and 
you know, as to why, um, I think, um, you know, I think there's probably a couple of factors at play, uh, but, but I think it's, uh, there's some companies out there that have just realized that they wanted to be strategic about trying to identify some talent into these key roles rather than, you know, hoping that people like me would just accidentally find them. Uh, they wanted to uh, actually, you know, go out and be strategic because they realize how valuable sales engineering is to their business and how critical a role that plays. And so uh, rather than, you know, hoping, you know, hope's not a strategy, right? So right. Uh, rather than just hoping they find good people, um, they went out to be intentional about creating uh that identifying and creating that good talent um, pool um, that they could draw from. So it's, it's been exciting to see. Um, and, um, you know, even a lot of folks that have come through some of those programs, I've had the privilege of working with and uh, hiring into roles over the years and, uh, and they, they've been great. And so, um, so I'm really excited about that. And really excited about a lot of things that I see out there um, that other pre-sales leaders are doing as well to um, sort of elevate the position and, uh, and elevate the, uh, visibility, the experience, both at the uh, college level as people are tracking toward a career, and then just in general uh, within the within the the broader industry as a whole. Right, right, and uh, you know this is yeah really interesting. Uh, usually, like even people moved about fifteen years ago, typically, like you said, the when people look for a sales engineer, they said, "Oh, yeah, this guy knows the technology." So if you have to show somebody a demo, he can show the technology, he can show the demo. But I think sales engineers' role has evolved a lot more. They are participating in sales process more than, uh, more than what they did earlier. I mean, right now, like you said, it has to be strategic. It has to be how people will actually manage the customer relationship during the whole uh, proof of concept or technical evals, how they're delivering a perfect demo. So it's, it's a lot more than that. So I, I absolutely, I agree with you. So with that, now, how do you see uh, what is the most important part uh, of a sales engineering role is? How do they influence the pre-sales process? What do you think some of the key factors are for the role of sales engineers? Yeah, I think there's um, there's a lot that goes into the role, right? It's it's pretty complex. Like like you mentioned, you know, years ago it was more around who could win the game of stump the chump, right? Who, let's go find the smartest guy in the room and make him the sales engineer. Uh, so as long as, as long as he or she was reasonably able to communicate and talk to people, or those had to have, they did yeah. <laughs> care a little bit about your soft skills, but mostly it was just how many RFCs could you quote or how many Microsoft certs did you have or something yep. like that. Um, but as it's evolved, I think we're really seeing it become more of a profession where uh, your skill set around doing things like discovery, um, objection handling, uh, as well as being a good storyteller, right? So, um, you know, it, I think we're, we're well past the days, thankfully, of, you know, here's this feature, here's this nerd knob, this kind of thing. And, and we're more into, you know, telling a story and wanting, wanting to get a, 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 a perspective customer to buy into a journey that, they, that they're going to go on with you as a vendor and when, with the solution that you're proposing to them. And so, you know, telling that story that they can see themselves you know, adopting this product. And then here's the value, here's the benefits, here's the, uh, here's how my life's going to be better um, as a, as a technology professional um, at this company, because, because we've gone with this solution, right? That's, that's the kind of things that you saw very little of maybe 15 years ago um, that are becoming more and more prevalent. And it's great to see um, because right. It's, right. Uh, it's really, uh, you know, I guess I think it's part of the elevation of the, the overall 
uh, role in industry, uh, but it's also uh, just shows a, a good evolution of overall skill sets uh, out there in the space. Right. So you have been in sales drink space for many years now, 15 years, maybe more than that is a long time to be in a sales engineering leadership role. And uh, some of the things that are kind of uh, becoming more and more important are how people do discovery. I mean, usually it, is, it used to be, initially it, it uh, was uh, considered to be a sales function rather than sales engineering. But now and now, now more and more, it is becoming a sales engineering function. Actually, the real discovery, uh, or in, no, I would say not real, but more in-depth discovery happens in the presence of sales engineers or by the sales engineers or with the sales engineers. How do you see this process of discovery uh, during the pre-sales process? Yeah, I think there's, uh, I think you're right. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is, I, I think that there's a perception that, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, that when you're on the sales side, uh, that you sort of have commission breath, if you will, yep. right? And so, uh, so a lot of times customers and prospects are a little reluctant to open up uh, and really share a lot of information with uh, somebody that has a sales title, even if they're very, very intelligent, very technical. I've worked with some, some great salespeople and sales leaders over the years who were extremely technical, um, but because that was the title on their business card or on the slide, um, yeah. <laughs> they, you know, weren't as willing to open up to them. I, um, so I, I think I definitely agree. I mean, this is personally, I felt as a sales engineer too. I mean, the customer was always ready to talk to a sales engineer, then they were ready to talk to account executive. So I agree with you. Yeah. And I, th I think there's a couple of reasons for that, but I think the biggest one comes down to um, there's, there's sort of this perception that, well, if you're the sales engineer, you're, you're the smart person. And so this, the sales engineer, she, she's here to help me, or he's here to, to answer my questions and help me understand things. Right. So right. But I think that leads to some of that opening up a little bit. Uh, and then I think there's also a, a little bit more just of a personality um, kind of thing, right. Where um, you tend to have in, in a sales role, typically not always a little bit more of that alpha personality. So there's a lot kind of a great, you know, here, you know, rapid fire questions, whereas, uh, you know, in a, in a discovery that's done really well, um, a lot of times you, you don't, the, the prospect doesn't even realize they're being asked questions. It's just, you know, like one of the, one of the things that I like to do is just start on the whiteboard and just start drawing and saying, Hey, you know, you, okay. So you guys have some data centers. Well, you know, Hey, where are they? And okay, well, they're here and yeah. Okay. So let's draw these data centers and you got some apps in here. Give, give me an example, of a couple of your apps. Okay. Well, and then, you know, how are you protecting these today? These got, you know, oh, okay, we've got this infrastructure. And, you know, so, you know, it doesn't feel like, uh, you know, a game of 20 questions, right? It feels more like a, a dialogue and a discussion. And, and, and just the fact that you're drawing it out for them and, and providing your perspective on that is already adding some value back to that prospect. And so it sort of creates that, um, that exchange of value, that exchange, exchange of relationship. And so you're starting to build that uh, sense of trust um, as you go through. So uh, that's, that's something I think, that's why I think the, the sales engineer in discovery is, is just so key because um, they can do that where sometimes the salesperson just, is, just can't do that for whatever reason. Um, you were spot on. I think sales engineers become like a go-to person for any questions from the customer. And that also brings some responsibility also that as a sales engineer, you have to build that kind of relationship where customer can just call you and uh, send you a message saying, hey, how does this work? Or 
what's your take on this? Sometimes sales, you know, uh, customers, they bring their own problems and say, how would you solve this? And that's probably the perfect situation to be in, to be like that expert, be like a, uh, you know, like a person, kind of a go-to person for any challenges customers having. And uh, that definitely helps closing the deal eventually. So, uh, uh, so discovery is definitely one part of it. But then the other part of the discovery is when customer is not ready to go with your flow or your the way you want them, they have certain objections. It could be maybe they are using a product which already is fulfilling part of it that you are selling them to, or it could be a competitor that is you know has a better relationship with the customer, and uh, or or simply customer has their own way of thinking about uh, certain problems. How do you see this happening in the field? And or should I say, how do you think the right way is to do the objection handling in the field for the sales leaders? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that's another place where, you know, again, you know, when I first got into sales engineering, objection handling was not something that the sales engineer did unless it was just a purely technical uh, objection, right? So you were, you were supposed to, um, sit, you know, be quiet. Uh, and, and let the let the sales guys you know handle the objections right so uh, I think we've seen an evolution on that as well where uh, we're really expecting uh, and counting on SEs to be able to step up and, and handle some business objections and as well as technical objections um, during these discussions and I think for the reasons we talked about earlier um, it's good for uh, for an account team um, to have the SE doing some of that because um, again, it, it sort of creates some more of that credibility and some of that um, uh, uh, relationship uh, that is just never going to quite be there with the person that has the sales title um, for the reasons that we kind of mentioned earlier. So uh, so I think there's a couple of things that I always like to remember when I'm going into a meeting and, you know, particularly if I know it's going to be um, the case where uh, hey, they've got my competitor's product and they're install base with my with my competitor. I, I know they're probably happy uh, with it to some extent. And so so I'm expecting uh, a little bit of a, shall we say, hostile audience. Right. You know, it's the uh, the court like the courtroom drama where, you know, like the, I'd like to treat the witness as hostile. Right. You know, there's going to be uh, the person in the room that's the uh, the big you know fanboy or fangirl of your competitor. And so they're gonna, you know, they're gonna, you know, gonna gonna really try to to poke it to you. And and if the, and if if they knew ahead of time, then probably your competitors giving them all of their, you know, competitive fud they have on you um, to try to, you know, ask you to try to make you look stupid if they can, um, and make sure your demo or your presentation falls down. So um, so I think part of the battle is just knowing that ahead of the time, knowing that hey, that's gonna happen um, to you when you're out there doing competitive selling. If you're at the big market leader, um, maybe that's not going to happen to you quite as much. But if you're at a startup or uh, you're in a market that's still developing, and so there's uh, there's you know there's there's still a lot of competition in the space that you're in, uh, then then you just got to know that you got to be prepared ahead of time for for how you're going to handle those things. So specifically, um, you know what do you what do you do when you get some of those uh, some of those types of objections? The the, the, I think the tendency that we all have as technical people, as sales engineers, um, is uh, a lot of times these objections come up in the form of a question. Well, do you have this feature? Or how do you handle this corner case scenario? Um, or how would you do this? Um, and so as a technical person, our, 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 
our inclination, almost, almost temptation, I want to say, is to just immediately answer the question. Yes, we have that feature or, or here, you know, and so uh, I, I think that, but I think that's a place where we need to sort of fight our instincts a little bit and say, step back and say, hey, help me understand why, you know, why are you interested in that feature? Uh, is that something you're using today? How many of your users are using that? Right. How, you know, so that's a place where you can start to ask some questions. Um, and I think that does two things. One is one is it gets to the heart of why you're you're getting this objection. Um, is this a legitimate objection? Is this is this, you know, is this a real uh, business problem that they have or is this just, uh, you know, somebody else's advocate trying to, to throw darts at you um, uh, along the way? Or and then and then the second thing it does for you um, is it starts to um, tear down that that wall a little bit that that that, that person's put up um, because now you're getting them to talk, right? You're getting them to answer some questions. You're engaging with them. Um, you know, one on one. You know, back in the the pre-COVID days, um, you know, when we would actually go meet with customers and prospects, that's where you know I would if I was standing up to present or, or draw on the whiteboard, that's where I, a lot of times I would walk over to the person that was you know raising these objections and stand you know, not right up against them, but stand close enough where it was like we were having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, look right. them in the eye and talk to them and, you know, try to establish a rapport. So, you know, to, to try to kind of tear down some of those walls. But I, I think that's, you know, I think that's key to, to doing that. And it's not necessarily about having the right answer all the time or giving the right answer. Um, a lot of times it's about showing the other people in the room why the question's being asked, um, which is what you do when you start to push back and ask some of those, some of those qualifying questions. Um, and then that sort of gives you the path of how you would move forward. Um, is this a legitimate objection that we really are going to need to handle? Or is this just, you know, somebody, you know, maybe having a little bit of a, a, a temper tantrum, if you will, uh, <laughs> about, about their, their toy not being the preferred toy right now. Right. And so, uh, you know, so we, we don't want to shut them out or uh, marginalize them, but, you know, we, we want to sort of neutralize that in a, as a positive way as possible. Right. I mean, I think you... Um, you spilled out some of really kind of um, conference room dynamics that happen, especially where a lot of stakeholders are involved. You know, there may be a person who has spent you know, months and years building something and they're not ready to change now and they may push it back or for any reason. But yeah, you are right. There are different ways to handle it. Uh, Pre-COVID, like you said, it was a bit easier I have for sure because you could meet people, take them to a lunch after the meeting to kind of calm down the situation. With COVID, it's a little bit challenging, I would say, but I think it's providing flexibility. So let's see, I think it's still early on. I think we'll be out soon, so uh, we'll see. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit. You know, when, when you, you know, now that we're in this COVID world and we're doing everything virtually, right. I think there's still some things you can do. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that I'll do in that situ situation when it comes up in a virtual meeting is, uh, is I'll, make sure I'm making eye contact with the camera. Um, so a lot of times when you're presenting, you know, you're looking at what you're whiteboarding with or your demo, things like that. So when you start getting those questions, start making immediate eye contact with the camera because to the person uh, that's watching, that's, that's there, that's your eye contact. Um, and, it's, and they use their name, right? So, you know, say, Hey, you know, Mike, I understand, you know, Hey, help me understand why you're, is that, is that a feature you guys need? Is that what's the use case for that? How many users are impacted by this scenario, right? So you start using their name and, you know, again, that's just kind of that personalizing, um, just some, some small things you can do um, that, can, that can make a big difference, even in a virtual setting. I agree. I agree. That's a valid point. 
So I want to switch gears a little bit uh, to a different topic. We talked about sales engineers, their roles. And I think this is really important because this is where rubber meets the road. Uh, people run their projects, their demos, proof of concepts, close the deals. Uh, but I want to switch gears a little bit on the leadership side. I'm sure the listeners who are at the leadership level, they will probably get this perspective. It may, they may find useful. So what I want to ask you is, as a sales engineering leader, what are some of the metrics that you really care about uh, when you run your organization that you care about and uh, that shows that you know, things are getting better, organization is doing better, um, if there is anything that is not right? You know, how, how do you track? Which are, what are some of the metrics that are important for you? Sure. So, well, if you're in, if you're in a sales organization, the most important metric is revenue, right? Absolutely. Whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, top line, top line, ARR, ACV, whatever, whatever, however it is you're measuring it in your, your industry, right? That if you're not, if you're not meeting your revenue objectives, almost nothing else matters. Right. That stated and that aside, right? What are some other things that you can look at to, um, to, to kind of get a sense of, the health of your business and the health of your organization. I think it varies. Um, there, there's going to be key metrics at different places, different because different um, solutions are going to have different selling motions. Um, when I was selling uh, route switch gear, uh, wireless wireless access points, things like that, uh, working for different companies that did those things primarily, um, proof of concepts were you know kind of rare because people understood what a switch did or what a uh, yep. what an access point does and even you know even firewalls too right people you, you talk to people about you know what something like that is and they they understand what it does and and it's the questions on differentiators um, are you're really just you know dealing with a few percentage points of differentiators of, of things that, that are, are features within the product of that one can do that another can't um, now when you get into software uh, and selling software, or whether that's security, or whether that's um, you know SaaS products that people use for product management, or uh, managing sales cycle, or something in their business, or anything like that. Now you're getting into things that people will understand a little less, and so that's where I think um, demonstrations become really more important um, in those in those sales cycles. So um, all that to say, though, you kind of have to identify you know, what are the metrics that, that matter for your selling motion, right? So um, when, when I was running um, a team doing, uh, selling SaaS security products, you know, I really cared about how many uh, POCs we had going on at a given time, because I knew we, we were almost never going to win a deal if we didn't get to POC. Um, we had to, we had to show people what we can do or we weren't going to win. We were a small company, real, you know, startup. And it was, um, we just weren't going to win. If we didn't. Now, when I was selling switches and, and um, access points, it was much less about getting to POC. It was more about just at bats, right? So how many meetings were we in where we had SEs engaged? How many, you know, were we tracking towards deals? Um, and so it was more, more about activity um, than it was about, um, specific things around, you know, what, what the activity was, was it, a, you know, specifically like a, like a POC or POV. So I think it's, there's, there's always things you can measure. Um, but um, I think it's really going to vary depending on your business and what, and, and what your selling motion is. At least that's what I found. Um, the other thing that I think is important is, uh, you know, you can look at measuring things within 
um, tracking health of your business, uh, but don't forget about tracking the health of your team as well. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, you know, and some of this is less things that you can measure by pulling a report out of Salesforce or your CRM tool, uh, or your, your contact, uh, tracing tools or things like that. And more stuff that you, you have to measure, um, with, with empathy. Um, but, but understanding, you know, who are, who are my key players and are they, are they oversubscribed? Um, where do I need to, where do I need to get them some help? Um, you know, is this a short-term thing or just a bunch of deals hitting one territory um, and then it'll kind of even out over time or is this, is this thing about to take off and I need to, to make some adjustments along the way? Um, are, um, do, do, do the people on your team feel like they have a good career path? Do they know where they want to go? Do they, you know, if they want to go into sales or into SE leadership or into uh, maybe back to corporate to do, um, uh, product product type things, product marketing, technical marketing, uh, or maybe they want to track towards being, you know, an architect or consulting engineer and things like that, right? Whatever their career track is, do they feel like they have a good career track? Do they feel like you as their leader understand and support that and are helping them move towards their personal goals in their career? Uh, and then um, are they getting the time to keep their skills current and up to, and up to date um, to learn new things? Uh, and not just about your product and your solution and your competitors, not the stuff that, you know, you get, um, uh, you know, fed through your sales enablement and things like that, but do they have time to learn other things? Um, so, you know, I used to encourage folks um, to do things, you know, pick something that's, you know, adjacent, but not specific to what we're doing um, and go learn something about that. Right. And um, fortunately I worked several places where we were able to actually get some budget, some training budget aligned to that. Um, so people could go out and do things like um, Cloud Guru, and they could go right. get an AWS certification, even though at the time we weren't really working in AWS, but it was something that was cool that people wanted to know. So um, so I think supporting those kinds of initiatives are key as well. Um, and then where the, those show up for you is on your employee SAT surveys uh, and the feedback that you get from your team, as well as in things like retention as well, uh, certainly where they show up more meaningful, most meaningfully of all. Um, but uh, that's, that's, that's the metrics that I really cared about. Um, and, and it was, you know, it was hard to measure, hard to quantify. It was much more um, uh, quality than quanti quantitized. Um, but that's, that's where I, I want to make sure that the people on the team are, are energized, engaged, um, and um, that, that they feel like, you know, hey, we're invested in their success, um, short term and long term. Right, right. No, that's, that's great, actually. You touched on multiple topics, uh, including the revenue, including tracking the outcome of POCs. Depends on uh, what the product is, and uh, tra you know, tracking or kind of supporting sales engineering teams, building a better team, skill-wise and otherwise as well. So I think that's that's uh, covers a wide uh, range of uh, you know metrics that people can measure. Uh, so I think that's, that's great, actually. You know, I think one last question I have for you before we wrap up this uh, podcast today is any books that you enjoyed reading in your past uh, or recently that you would recommend to people who are in sales engineering or in sales that you uh, found really useful? So um, that's a great question. Uh, uh, you know, read several of the major business, you know, type books and things like that. Um, I think some of those things are good. Some are not um, a book that used to be really popular. That's kind of fallen out a little bit um, that I still think is very valuable 
um, is a book uh, by Robert Caldini called Influence, Science, and Practice. Oh, yeah. Um, I have read that one. Jedi Mind Tricks. Really, really, <laughs> my, one of my favorite books. Yeah, really good yeah. book. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a book that I go back to and, and read um, about about every couple of years. I'll reread yeah. that over and over again. And uh, um, because it's got a lot of good information in there. And, if, and the first time I read it, honestly, I didn't like it because I thought, you know, I thought it was exactly that. I thought it was Jedi mind tricks, right? I yeah. thought it was just trying to manipulate people to, you know, these aren't the droids you're looking for, right? right, right. Trying to manipulate people to get into what you want to, to try to get an outcome that you wanted. Maybe that's some of it, but uh, as a, as we've kind of grown as a, as a leader, what I've seen is more so uh, that those are just ways you can um, try to understand people better, try to understand their motivations, understand their reactions, uh, and that helps you as a leader um, with your team. That helps you um, as that pre-sales person in, in the room or on the on the Zoom with uh, uh, with that customer that's maybe you know like, I don't understand why they're not buying in. Uh, you know all those kind of it's it's got a wide application for for you in a sales engineering career. So uh, would would uh, recommend that. Um, I'm not getting any royalties off of his his book, so nothing in that for me. <laughs> uh, the guy that's I read his book in grad school and and it's one that stuck with me. That's great. You know, before I wrap up, I got one more question for you. And the the problem is this is the final one. So, uh, you know, while you were working with customers, internal teams, with your your sales teams, have you identified any productivity hack that worked well for you? Uh, And uh, something that has made your life easier, it could be as small as, you know, uh, maintaining a, let's say, a list of things to do every day or every hour or uh, using, uh, so because sometimes there are so many threats you can be pulled into. Um, uh, what are some of the things or maybe just one hack or something that uh, a trick or simple trick or hacks or that's some that you found pretty useful or productive? This is, I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking for, but this is something that, um, that I found is very helpful for me is, um, to, to not react right to not to not go with my first reaction and react right away right so um, you know particularly when you're in leadership you're going to get um, you know bad news sometimes hey we lost this deal um, you know there's going to be conflict between the sales engineer and the and the, the salesperson um, and so um, you know a lot of times that that escalation comes to you uh, you know we, we, we flood this POC you know mess up whatever right that escalation comes to you and you're, you know, you're, there's this initial reaction of, hey, I want to go fix this. Right. And, and so, and you, and we were all human. We assume the, the facts we, or the information we heard first is, are the facts. Right. So, um, so one of the things that I've learned uh, over time is to not, not go with my first reaction. So, let me go get all the facts. Let me get the other sides of the story. Let me talk to all the people that I can who, we're in the room. Uh, let's find out what was going on. Um, and then let's get everybody together and solve the problem together, right? Rather than, you know, an, an approach of, of let's solve the problem, whether that's a training problem, whether that's a, a tactical problem in our sales uh, execution, uh, you know, a, a strategic problem in our overall deal approach, uh, whatever it is, let's solve the problem rather than, you know, go out and try to assign blame. So, um, I don't know that that's a productivity I, hack per se. No, it, actually, I, I would probably lesson I, that I, that uh, <laughs> really really stuck with me. Uh, learned it the hard way early on in my leadership career, uh, but that's that's something I always try to do is uh, you know take some time, uh, let it cool, uh, get all the facts, 
uh, and then then go after, uh, you, then you're going to know much better um, how to handle that situation. Yeah, I think that is not just a productivity hack. It's a life hack. It can work in the leadership. It can work in the marriage too. You know, yeah. just... <laughs> it works with, it works with kids as well, right? So. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, uh, Tim, uh, really nice talking to you. Uh, great conversation. Yeah. And uh, thank you for finding time. And uh, again, uh, we'll look forward to connecting with you again, maybe some other episode, but great conversation. Thank you so much. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me uh, and uh, really enjoyed it. My pleasure. All right. Thank you. So this was our guest, Tim Davis, and uh, stay tuned for more episodes that we'll be releasing again in every two weeks. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by success.app sales engineering teams use success for running faster and efficient technical evals. Use Success AI to identify and mitigate POC risks, run POCs faster, convert more POCs into technical wins. Book a demo now at success.app.